good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you. As you can see, there's a, a part of me that's uh, at home in pain. And, uh, but the worship today was so, so amazing that um, I love when we think about God as a sovereign God, this huge, amazing God that we can't even put into words. And some of the lyrics we sang said that he has everyone in his hands, everyone on earth. You know, he holds everyone. Can you imagine that? Everyone. So this is big, big God. Even my husband at home, he holds him. So I don't have to be there or I don't have to be in control because he is in control, right? It's God that he is in control. But then the idea of today as I bring the word, I want you to think when we encounter God, we encounter the, the big picture, the God who is so, so immense, so almighty that we sometimes can't put into words. But then we encounter also we bring the spotlight closer to our hearts and we encounter ourselves in the presence of God. So as I preach the word today, I want you to picture that and uh, bring it home to you. So today I'm going to speak to you from the word of God. Right? Your pastor said, can do, I can preach anything from the word of God. Right? So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be very obedient. And I think it's a good requirement for preachers. Because preaching or teaching is not the same as a motivational speech. Okay? When we preach the Word of God, we are declaring the powerful Word of God for transformation of people. So I follow your Spotify channel, and I listen to every message that you preach here at Riverside Lisbon. So that's my uh, Monday, Tuesday walk uh, podcasts that I hear, and you have beautiful and powerful messages, and I love it. So I know you have just finished a, a, a series of messages on Exodus, so that will help you understand a little bit of what I want to share with you today. So my goal today is that you do that, that you bring this this knowledge, this hope that we sang about, about God, and you, you bring it closer to you and allow revelation to happen in your hearts today. So I want to really to encourage you to fulfill your God-given purpose and to focus your vision and efforts on who God wants you to be. So everybody has to be thinking about you and your, yourself and who God wants you to be. So I would like to, that you get motivated, that you get revelation today about keeping the main thing, the main thing, to declutter your life and to make your focus not blurred by a million other things. And these million other things might look like important and good things, and they are, but what's the main thing? So I want to encourage you not to lose sight today. So I want to start by going back to Exodus 1 and 2 and talk about five deliverers of Israel. Five. And you might be there saying, wow, I don't know what you're reading in your Bible, but I only read one deliverer of Israel, and his name is Moses. But today, I actually want to explain to you that there were five brave women in the book of Exodus that became five deliverers of Israel. Let me explain that. We read that the people of Israel, they were multiplying exponentially since the days of Joseph 
in the land of Egypt. And the, for, the Pharaoh in charge no longer recalled Joseph and what he did. So from his throne, he could only see this multitude of slaves that was multiplying and kept multiplying. And he got fearful of the future. And Egyptians had been cruel to Jews and unjust for over 400 years. And it seems that God had been silent all this time. It seems that he was not paying attention, but he was. If we continue to read the biblical narrative, we see that God was attentive, not only to the cry of Israel, but he was attentive and paying attention to the cruelty of the Egyptians, the shrewdness of the Pharaoh as an imitator of the serpent in Genesis 3. So, God was at work even as people did not realize he was at work. Even before people could see any movement, he was already moving, choosing people that understood their purpose, their role, and people that moved in faith and faithfulness to God. So let me tell you that the first two women that come up on the scene as strong deliverers are the midwives. Okay? Two of them are actually named. Their name was Shipra and Pua. And they were Hebrew midwives that helped the Hebrew woman give birth. Uh, but the new law of the king of Egypt was that they should kill all the baby boys at birth. But these women defied the authority of the king and turned the, his deceit on, on himself. So it says that they continued to do their job. They continued to, to deliver babies, but what they did was that they were obeying God above all things. They did not try to please the king. They did not try to get uh, important or gain fame or gain a name by doing what he said. But the Bible says that in Exodus 1, 15 to 17, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew woman during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. So these courageous women obeyed God above the king, and it says that they were blessed because of their obedience. And as we continue in this frenetic mass murder, we come to know the third deliverer, Jochebed, Moses' mother. As other Hebrew mothers, she had to give up her newborn baby boy. But the Bible explains that she could see from day one that this baby was special. And so she hid him for three months. She protected him. She cared for him. And she came to the conclusion she had to let him go. So the narrative says that she prepared the basket the safest way she could. She put a little treasure inside that basket and she put him adrift in the waters of the Nile. I don't know about you, but I can imagine that that must have been a heartbreaking experience for a mother. It says in, verse, in, in chapter 2, 1 to 3, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Le Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months, but then she could hid him no longer 
She got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. So it must have been really, really heartbreaking. But her attitude shows that I need to let go of who I love and what I love the most and leave it in the, in the hands of the Almighty God. Then we come to the fourth deliverer, Miriam, Moses' sister. Now, Miriam was watching everything that was happening with baby Moses. So she, she saw the mom putting the baby in the water. She must have been crying as well and uh, thinking what would happen to the brother. But the, the narrative says that she went along the banks of the river and she watched the basket as the waters took him until it reached an area where the Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, was having a bath. As she saw her brother being taken out of the water, she offered to find him a nursing nanny. And, and like that, she brought the baby back to their home for a while while Jochebed nursed the baby. She knew that the baby would be loved, that he would be cared for, protected, would learn the family values. What an intelligent young woman. May God's wisdom and discernment be upon us as it was on Miriam and also her eagerness to help. And now it's time for baby Moses to go back to the Pharaoh's palace because even though his daughter, the fifth deliverer, she knew the baby was Israelite, so that took courage for her to take an Israelite boy into the palace as uh, her son. And she raised him in the king's court, says chapter 2, verse 10. You know what? Sometimes the enemy comes against us, comes against the plan of God like a flood. But God is almighty, and he makes his plans to prevail over deceit, over shrewdness, over murder. Pharaoh might have despised the midwives. He, must, he, he might have despised the Israelite woman, the mothers. But from this woman, and even from a woman inside his own palace, God brought the deliverance of Israel. So Moses was rescued to be a rescuer of his people. And I really love this because so many times we are aiming to become someone famous, someone with a big impact, with a big name, and we get distracted from the purpose God has given us. But these women, we see that they were faithful, they were obedient, they were courageous, they were selfless, they were wise. They did not shy away from what was being asked of them at that precise moment. They were clearly sensitive to God's leading and his move in and around them. And you might think that their role was kind of small in the big Exodus story, right? Remember again the big and the small picture? What if none of them had come and show up that day to do what God had told them to do? The story would be a lot different today for us to recall. So my question today is, who did God call you to be? Did God call you to be a mother? 
Did God call you to be a midwife, a sister, a princess, a shepherd, a deliverer, an encourager, a teacher, a helper, a worshiper? Well, this list can go on and on. The sky's the limit. But what I'm saying is that God definitely gave you and me a purpose and a focus for our lives here on earth. And he wants you not to lose sight of that goal. Many things work against us to distract us. And that's why I wanted to start with the, with the five women. Because it seems like they were small roles in a big picture movie. But they were not. They showed up when God called them to. And so many things distract us of our focus and of our purpose in life. One of those things I already mentioned. And it's a bad one. It's the one that creeps in so easily. It's called comparison. All of us have compared ourselves to people, people we want to be like, okay? And sometimes we go into these, these rabbit holes where we measure our, our impact, we measure who we are by, by what people have in their Instagrams, what, what their activity, who is putting likes on their Instagram posts, and we want to be like that. Or for people like me that are preachers and teachers and pastors, we look at other pastors, other teachers, and we say, oh man, that person gets invited so many times. What about me? I don't get invited so many times. Or when, when I'm leading worship at, at church, nobody comes up to me and says, oh, that was such a blessing today. But when the other one leads worship, it's like a party. What's happening there? So we all fall into this comparison business. And we, we measure ourselves by feedback, by, by these things that are not really important. The culture of the kingdom of God is so different from the culture of the kingdoms of this earth. In our culture today, everyone wants to be the head. Okay, If you, want, if you ask outside uh, of Christian circles who people want to be, they want to be the head, you know. They want to be the most important parts, like a hand, an eye. But the kingdom of God that we are called to be a part of is called the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, the head role is already taken. Jesus is the head. So nobody can take that place. But we are called to be the body. And um, we need to be performing our role well. If we are an eye or if we are a, a toe or the mouth or a ligament, whatever we are, we need to be part of the same body. And Paul says in several parts of the epistles, he talks about this body business. But I want to read you from Romans 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we... Though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 
Romans 12, 4 to 8. So this is one of the things that we do that takes away our focus and makes us lose sight. Another thing that makes us lose sight of our focus and purpose in God is pride and thinking highly of ourselves. Okay? You don't need to put your hands up. I'm putting mine because it's true. We go through phases in our lives that we think we are better than others when we think highly of ourselves. Well, in the same passage of Romans 12, the verse prior to that one says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I believe this is quite clear. The Apostle Paul was quite clear here. God is the one who has distributed grace and faith and um, gifts to each one of us. And so we can't think we are more spiritual and more favorite and more and more than others. Let me give you a very easy example. Okay, in uh, 2019, Eddie and I went to the United States because I got tickets to watch Pink in concert. Pink, you know, Pink, my favorite artist. Okay, so we <laughs> went on the plane to Charlotte, North Carolina, to, um, to, so I could see Pink in concert. So the, this huge arena in Charlotte was flooded with people. And you know, the... Um, opening act of that concert or the artist that came before Pink was Julia Michaels. I actually had forgotten her name that I had to go on Google and remind myself. So Julia Michaels, you know her. She, she sings the song Issues, right? I've got issues. You know that song? So, but Julia Michaels back then in 2019, she was actually starting a career as a performer because Julia Michaels is a songwriter, and she had, she had written songs for all kinds of, of artists in the world, but she was not a performer. So uh, after a while, she started to sing. So in this opening act of, of Pink Concert, there was Julia Michaels doing her thing, and it was actually good. But what I, uh, what I uh, want to tell you is that she was fun, she sang very well, but... Um, it was nice to see that uh, she knew who she was and why people were there. So she didn't try to be like attracting a lot of attention to her or that, to, to be someone that she was not or to promote herself bigger than she was because she knew she would be embarrassed if she did that because everybody was there to see Pink. And if you know Pink, she's very unique as an artist. So Julia Michaels was not trying to be Pink. She was just trying to be the, the opening act. And the thing is, when she finished her act and Pink came on stage, whoa, you should have seen that arena. It was like high on energy, electrifying for two long hours. And it was one of the best moments of my life. But what I want to say is that we need to know who we are. We need to know and understand our timing, our progression in this journey of God's plan for our lives. 
We need not try to get ahead of ourselves. We need to not try to make ourselves bigger and more important than who we are. Why? Because like Julia Michaels, many of us are still in the progress, process of, of, of developing, of maturing our gifts. So as an encourager of someone that is a little bit ahead in this journey of life, I want to encourage you to practice. Keep on practicing your gifts. Keep on doing your, your purpose. But don't stay in the spotlight when it's not your time, because you might come back bruised and humiliated, and that might completely stop your growth. We also lose sight of our purpose and focus when we get too busy with doing and not balance it out with being. Okay, so let's admit here how many of us can get so involved in checking out our to-do lists. Right? Every week we have a to-do list and we have to check every little thing, every task, okay? And we have no time to simply be. Okay, I admit it because I am a very busy person as a pastor, and I don't know if you know, but I'm, let me tell you, pastors are very busy people, okay? So I have a lot of things to do besides Sunday. I have to be with people, uh, uh, mentor people, visit people, prepare for events, go to, to meeting, uh, uh, meetings, uh, events of the church, uh, administration responsibilities, and so much more. So many demands on my time. I'm also a wife, a mother, a grandmother. So it's like a lot of things can demand my time. So I'm sure that all of you right now are just doing a, a check <laughs> evaluation of your day. And all of us have these demands. We need to fulfill them. Things need to be done. But really, if we think for a minute, if we stop to think, we realize that we are actually falling into a trap that will mount up with anxiety and fear and exhaustion. And I want to say that the best lie from the 20th century that is now in the 21st century is multitasking. It's a lie. It's a lie. And will trap us into that. We are not made by God to be multitaskers. We are made by God to balance out what our Martha and our Mary, okay? I'm the only one Martha here that's allowed to be Martha today, okay? So we are here because we are Marys. We want to hear from God. And it said uh, in the gospel of Luke, it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. A sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. 
So again, Jesus cuts to the chase of the problem and he's very clear about what's important. More than our doing, more than checking our to-do lists, more importantly than that, he is interested in our being. He's interested in, and he looks forward to these moments like we're having now. You know what Sunday is? You know what Shabbat is? It's just you separate this time for holy use, to be with God. So right now you are looking for being, not for not doing. He looks for those times where we just stand in awe of who he is. God is wants these times where we just cry out our needs, our weaknesses to him. That's the primary purpose of our lives, to adore him forever. Let me share you one final thief that takes away our focus. And these are the desires of our flesh, the problems and the persecutions, the lure of wealth and the worries of this life, as they are so well described in Matthew 13. Okay, in a simple way, it's just saying that we substitute the best with the good. Okay, that's what Jesus was saying in this parable. I speak to women every day as a pastor. And let me tell you that a lot of their stories have the same uh, repetition, the same story line. It says that a lot of them have had a relationship with God. A lot of them had received a purpose from God. They actually, some of them had a very specific calling of God for their lives. But... At the same time, they really wanted to get married. They really wanted to have a family. And so they put away the focus of what God had given them to follow their human dream. And now you're thinking, wow, so you're saying that getting married and having a family is not good? No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay? My question is the same point of this parable. Are we taking our eyes from the best that God has for us to substitute it with the good? Or what are we doing with our lives? Let me tell you, and you can see this in the scriptures, not everyone is called to get married. Not everyone is called to be a mother or a father. Not everyone is called to be wealthy or to have a big name in the corporate world. What I'm saying is, who did God design you to be? And are you focused in his best or getting distracted by your own desires and worldly temptations? So, of course, the premises of all I've been saying today is that you know who you are in Christ and what's the purpose that he's designed for you to be. And then you pursue that diligently and intentionally by practicing your gifts, by getting knowledge, training, by having mentors in your journey, by simply spending time in God's presence and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the study of his word as well. But as we come even closer, okay, the light is coming even closer to our hearts right now. I want to give you an example of a Bible character that encapsulates all these things. Because he really knew who he was. He really knew the purpose of his life. And he did not fall into the temptation of comparison or of putting himself more important than he was. Let me read to you in Matthew 3. 
In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is who he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So besides not falling to this pitfall of comparison, John did not fall into bragging or making himself Bigger and more, more, more important than he was. And then people kept on asking him over and over again. And so he said to the Pharisees again about who he was. They asked, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said, John 1. And later on, he's confronted with more questions. And again, assertively, he declares who he is, a servant and a man with a heavenly mission but not the Messiah. So he says in John 3, To this John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. This is so fascinating to me that John could be this kind of character. He was not deceived by lies. He was not deceived by people's feedback or impressions, by popularity. He was completely convicted of who he was and his purpose in God. What an example to us. Toby Mack, in his devotional, Eye on It, expands on John the Baptist's life and he says, But John stands in stark contrast with religious and political leaders of his time. And the thing that sets him apart is his humility. For all his power and influence, John never started believing it was about him. From the moment Jesus began his public ministry, John willingly embraced the truth that his own moment in the spotlight was over. He had been a friend to the bridegroom, but it wasn't his show. He had never been. John was just a warm-up act, and Christ was the headliner. 
And then comes the cherry on the cake. Jesus' words about John just brings this whole thing into full circle. He says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. What an endorsement. Could Jesus say that about me? He said that about John. I tell you, no one, no one is greater than John. And then, God, and then Jesus brings everything back to some clarity. He says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So the same st center stage that John had is the same we, you and I have. I want to call the worship team up as we finish this time together here. So I don't know where you are in this idea of focus and purpose. I don't know if you have lost sight because you have been comparing yourself to others. Or if uh, you have been um, wanting to be more than you are at this moment or more than you called you to be. Or maybe you are very busy doing much and losing sight of being Christ-like. Or maybe you've allowed the desires of your flesh and the worries of this life to take priority right now. But what I wanted us to think today and reflect is that from the midwives to Moses' mother, to Miriam, to John the Baptist, to you and to me. We have to make a decision to allow the Holy Spirit to put the spotlight in our hearts and to do what Psalm 139, 23, 24 says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. It's so beautiful, this verse, because it's, it gives a progression of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He searches us, examines us, and then He knows us. I want to be known by God. Do you? I want to be known by this beautiful God. And then he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then he says, point out anything. Wow, can you do that prayer today? Point out anything in me that offends you, that does not align with your purpose. But doesn't stop there and lead me. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. So this is a progression of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But we need to open our hearts today for Him to come and do this work. So I want to encourage you as the worship team just ministers that you will allow this revelation of the Word today to, to make um, home in your heart. There is a purpose for each one of us here. It might be clouded, it might be lost, it might be um, somehow put aside. 
But remember, if those midwives, if Miriam, if Jochebed, if the Pharaoh's daughter have not done their jobs, God is not calling you to be somebody that you are not. He's calling you to be you in His plan. So allow the Holy Spirit to search you today as we get ministered by the worship team. And then if you really want to respond to God, you might respond by worshiping. You might respond by repenting. You might respond by surrendering. You might respond by just reflecting. But you need to respond because the Holy Spirit of God is here. And He wants you to align your vision with His heart. Let me pray. Father, we want that. We want to align our hearts with your heart. So many things distract us. So many things take away the focus of our lives. So many lies flood our hearts. But today we surrender to the truth truth of your word and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we say, yes, God, come, search us, know us, test us, know our thoughts, point out anything that does not align with you, that offends you, and guide us in the path of everlasting life. Yes, we say yes to you, Jesus. Bless my brothers and sisters here, my friends, and let them come with open hearts to the altar of worship.